So I found a note from college, and it says, Star Wars thoughts. I got two of them for a whole semester of taking a Star Wars class. Okay, just two thoughts? Just two thoughts. That's all. First thought, can't believe Han Solo has all his fingers. Okay. Just because he's gotten like a lot of skirmishes. Dude, he's just and all living that. the life, bro. Yeah, he's kind of living on the edge. You lose fingers on the edge. Finger feels like a really easy thing to lose when you're using lightsabers and stuff too, or like uh, laser guns. I'm mm-hmm. like, something's just hitting your finger, finger's gone. Yeah, that's true. I feel like something's hitting your hand. Mm, I don't know. The book I'm reading, the guy has lost his finger. He's called mm-hmm. uh, Logan Nine Fingers, dude. <laughs> Bloody Nine, dude. And he's kind of just this badass, big, ugly Northman. And everyone looks at his little stub, dude. So Han Solo, I feel like he's right in that lane of like he's a bit rugged. He's been in some fights. He's seen mm-hmm. some shit. I can see it. Mm-hmm. Just odd he's not a stubber. Okay, other thing. Han Solo is disproportionately... Biffed it, dude. Chewbacca is disproportionately attractive to Wookiees as Han Solo is to humans. So Chewbacca's more attractive than just Wookiees in general? Yeah, Chewbacca's like an exceptionally hot He Wookie. might be the hottest Wookiee. Yeah. I don't know, dude. Um, in... The th- third episode is it, um, Revenge of the Sith, Return of the Sith. The chief Wookiee in Kashyyyk, he looks like, uh, I don't know, he's got the beads in his hair. Kind of dripped up. Mm. He's maybe not the hottest Wookiee, but he's clearly like a hot Wookiee. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and then maybe the chief is the hottest because he's you know a big dog. Yeah, I mean Han Solo is not the hottest person. I would I would feel like in the in the Star Wars universe, no. but he's definitely hotter than most. Star Wars universe, so we're counting both movies. The hottest person, I feel like Ewan McGregor's up there, dude. He's looking good in that third episode. Ewan's good. Also, though, Anakin's pretty good looking too. Yeah, Anakin's good looking. Honestly, Luke Skywalker in the early movies is good looking also. I don't know, dude. I look at Mark Hamill's face. And I just think of like an actual ham, dude. Something about yeah. his cheeks and like. No, Mark horrible. Hamill back in the day. Mark Hamill back in the day was good looking. I guess so. I just look at Mark Hamill back in the day and now I think of Mark Hamill. Well, now. yeah, I'm yeah. Like, but mm. that's everybody, you know? Well, I maybe it's so. not like George Clooney. Like there's some exceptions, but. Mark Hamill's kind of a stick of butter, dude. Like people like butter, no question. Yeah. But yeah. it's just like, I don't really want a stick of butter. I want yeah. some angles. Give me a fierce looking car. Give me a fierce looking Jedi, you know? Yeah. Kylo Ren. Princess Leia. Kylo Ren's Kylo probably Ren. the hottest okay. person ever to be in Star Wars. Did I show you guys I'm that picture for our, for our presentation, a picture of like his face? It's extremely asymmetrical. Yeah, it's yeah. Bad. And he's a good looking guy for being asymmetrical. Mm-hmm. I got to say, like he's really made the best of what he's got. But his chin game is kind of like, is kind of lacking, dude. He's made the best of what he's got, but he's definitely a major acquired taste. Like, you yeah. see him for the mm. first time and you go, yuck. Like, that's not good. Like, that's an enemy for sure. Dude, not only did he make the best of what he's got, he made great with what oh, yeah. he's got, dude. Yeah. Oh, oh, my yeah. gosh. He inspires people. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. like, you could look, you could be hated by God <laughs> and get it together, you know? Just like Pete Davidson, but uh-huh. I don't think he's that ugly. He just got very symmetrical. Eyes. Yeah. 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 Pete Davidson's just got like a big mouth, like a big mouth with a good smile goes a long way. Yeah. We kind of talked about this with the, um, when we talked about Star Wars and Harry Potter, like the come down from those movies. Mm-hmm. So like, did you guys get that as bad as I did? Like in terms of watching, for me, it was the first three movies because those came out when I was a kid. Well, the, yeah. the prequels, those came out when I was a kid and that was like super important. Did you guys ever have dreams about using the force? I had like daydreams about using the force. I'd be like walking around school being like, I'm going to do man. this shit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's one of those things. What, what upsets me about all our philosophies and we're like, hey, man, you can do anything if you truly set your mind to mm-hmm. it. 
Bro, that's the one thing you can't, can't do. No. And like, I, I love uh, Donald Hoffman's like theory about like, we create space time through our consciousness. Mm-hmm. But bro, why can't we create force, bro? I want to be using that. I got to be bringing like that remote to me right now, dude. Just. I have an answer for you. Yeah, what's up? Jonathan Livingston Siegel. That book is all about like pushing the boundaries of what we can do within our space. Mm-hmm. And then at some point towards the end of the book, they're just like, dude, it's all cap. The whole universe is held <laughs> back by you not willing to slam full speed into a wall. Uh-huh. If you got in your car and drove off the freeway into a wall, right after that moment when you didn't die, you'd be like, oh shit, I can use the force. I can be a Jedi. But so, you're not willing to take that f- risk, sorry for the cursing. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is the risk though, because we're not in a f- video game, sorry yeah. for the cursing. <laughs> but you're locked into your brain state of being like, oh, there are limitations. And until you fully are willing to truly release the freedom of getting after it. Mm-hmm. But are you still experiencing the same thing then? Or do you just tra- like transitionally or transition unknowingly into basically a dream space once you slam into that wall? Here's the thing. I, at bad. times, I don't believe death exists. I think because you guys ever do something, and you're like, oh, I could have died. Like just driving. You're like, oh, wow. That, that almost killed yeah. me. Mm-hmm. I believe that I did die and I just got teleported into the, like the universe where I didn't die. Yeah. I think that's how it works. Yeah. I don't think you, I don't think you do die in whatever lifetime you're in. It's like you might die for me. Like but tomorrow. I live forever, dude. Well, you'll live until you regular die. Like you're not going to, I don't, you don't live forever, Okay, but you're okay, going to, you're going to live out like the best possible version of your life. Okay. I like that. But here's a thought. Where did he go? Hold on. <laughs> If we were all immortal and couldn't die of old age, everyone would die to some like terrible death, like some mm-hmm. gory death. That's a fun thought. Yeah. <laughs> but then I would kind of go midsummer on it. Like at some point I'd just be like, yeah, it's like ritual day. Like I'm jumping off this cliff. Yeah, yeah. that's true. I yeah. don't want to be immortal, dude. I'm pretty no. hyped with not being no. immortal and just like, hey man, bro, I'm like reaching my prime pretty soon. I'm going to fall off my prime. Yeah. But then I get to kick my feet up, dude. Mm-hmm. And I get to watch everyone else like climb that hill that I already climbed. It's yeah. nice. Yeah. I, I will say with the slamming into a wall metaphor, mm-hmm. it's the idea that we're all the same person and you can travel to, through time freely. Mm-hmm. That's really crucial to it. So it's like, it's not that you are invincible. It's that all time is, everything's all at once. And you break free of your ego when you die. So you are kind of dying. Yeah, because our ego is us. I know I know we like to trash the ego, and I like to trash the ego, mm-hmm. too. I think without it, though, like, there's no personality beyond, beyond ego. So, like, what am I? Just is? And just, like, fluid, dude, but, like, I'm also gas at the same time? I mean, I feel like it's sort of up to how you want to experience it. Because you can just be the is, but then, yeah, you're like a Buddhist monk, where it's like, yeah, there's no personality left. There's no, like, there's no experience in this reality left. Is like there just, freedom in me not being Mateo? Because I, I like being Mateo. Mateo's fun. There is definitely freedom in you not being Mateo, but you got to like really work for that freedom. Mm. Like I that freedom f- doesn't come quickly. I feel like it's also lifespan. Like I'm going to get yeah. older and I'd be like sick. Like it's like when you spec out a character and um, mm. Max, what's, what's the name of the games where you like build attributes? It's not MOBAs. Those are, that's like Smite. But when you like build your attribute, like Skyrim or like Elder Scrolls. Yeah. RPGs? It's like when you spec out your character in RPG or RuneScape and you're like, oh, dude, I've maxed out this build. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I'm going to get old. And like, I experienced it all. Mateo is a great character. I just want to start a new world, though. That's kind of the goal of life is to make your character a great character to play. Like, that's a cool build. Yeah. I liked how I diversified the assets. 
Yeah, and that's all about personal growth because it's a bit grindy to make your character a mm-hmm. good character to play. But like, mm-hmm. it's pretty sick once you do it because then you get to reap the benefits, reap the rewards. You get to just merc people on the battlefield. Yeah, <laughs> and I feel like that's why old people get a little bit more wise sounding because once you get old and you're like 80, 90, you do kind of start to disconnect and you're like, well, yeah, like I just built this character. So here's all my knowledge I got from building my character. Up. So, wow, dude, what do you think is up with like... uh you know, with the little crawfish that see 18 colors, that's a whole different reality. What's up with the little crawfish? Dude, the little crawfish, colors. the little crawfish are literally seeing a bunch of colors that we don't know exist and can't fathom. <laughs> 18? So like, yeah, 18. Like- yeah, I feel I can see 18 colors, bro. No, 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 no. But there's they have 18 different cones in their eyes as receptors. We have three cones in our eyes. Uh-huh. So they're Definitely. seeing they're seeing colors that we don't know exist and mm-hmm. that we can't fathom. Like, how is there colors that we can't fathom? But like a, a colorblind person doesn't know what real colors are. Yeah. And it's crazy how just like that small, like like what we said, like a fundamental piece of information, mm-hmm. that small fundamental piece of biology yeah. is probably stopping us from understanding a lot of really important things. A lot of it. Mm-hmm. It's just but again, it's like we talked about last podcast, too much truth. We don't need all those colors. Maybe that thing needs all those colors to understand what it needs to punch really hard. Dude, I don't need all the colors I got in my life, not going to lie. You you could have less colors? I could have less colors. I'd be all right. What color? Dude, you're going to wake up tomorrow colorblind because you said that. And You know, it'll be a bit of a bummer, but guess what? My life's going to be the same. That's kind of bogus, though, because you already know the colors. Like, if you didn't know all the colors and you were colorblind since birth, you'd be like, I wish I knew the colors. I wish I knew what colors I didn't know. I do too. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Your life wouldn't be much different. I'd be all right. I would still yeah. be pretty stoked. I'd, I'd there'd be no reason to be upset about it, you know? Yeah. Maybe for like half a second, be like, ah, damn. All righty. Do you think it's harder for colorblind people, though, to experience beauty? No way. Because it's just what they know. Do you think a craw- crawdad thinks, do you think humans have a hard time experiencing beauty like Dude, we what do? if it does? What if, no, but what if we do have a hard time <laughs> experiencing beauty like it does, you know? <laughs> What if a tree feels and feeling is better than seeing and then seeing lots of colors is better than seeing a few colors? Well, yeah, I do think the trees are on a different level, like the Ents mm-hmm. in Lord of the Rings, dude. <laughs> Such a turn. Dude, those guys were so sick, but they like the way they I mean, they're slow decision makers, mm-hmm. but they were just like super happy with holding still forever. They could move. Mm-hmm. Normal trees can't move, but they're like, nah, dude, we're just going to chill out in the forest. Mm. Maybe crawdads are on that wavelength, you know? Chilling out in the rivers. I think they are. Dude, it's all about purpose. Because you were like, maybe they need more colors for their purpose. Like, whoa. Do we have the exact right amount of colors for our purpose? A purpose is a strong word. I think we have the exact right amount of colors for, like, fitness evolutionarily. And that's our purpose, bro. Oh, yeah. Sneeze. Do it. Do a big one. Hey! That was a Hitler-esque sneeze, yeah. dude. That's what Gregory <laughs> says every time, dude. It's always been, he's got a Heil sneeze, dude. Yeah, I got a bit of a Heil sneeze. That's just how I get everything out. Jesus Christ. Yeah. You build up no pressure, because you could build up pressure in your nose and your sinuses and let it out even faster, though. I feel like you open your throat for that. I do. I let, it, I let it be explosive. Okay, so kind of back on the topic of sobriety, what I found super weird was... I went on a run the other day and I took out my headphones because I just didn't want to like run with my phone in my hand because that sucks. So I did no music and I caught my first runner's high in like months. It was kind of, it was kind of weird. And I was thinking about the Donald Hoffman theory that we were talking about. And I was also thinking about 
how it's just kind of selfish. We've talked about this before, but on my run, on the cool down, I found this little, I don't know. Is this a flyer? What is this? That's a calling card, dude. It's a calling card. Yeah. Okay. So it says, imagine, imagine that all is true and love is the answer. No more sickness, no more pain, no more hate, no more fear, no more religion, no more lies, no more injustices, only truth. You're right, dude. That is a lot of no mores. It's a lot of no mores. They could have stopped at literally the first line. After you read that back, just imagine and then imagine love is the answer and truth is all there is and done. Yeah, because if truth is all there is, that's all there is. Yeah. Because I'm sure there's... 20 more no more as you can add in there, dude. I mean, I wonder if the intention of that card is to sort of say, hey, here's all these these other concepts that we have a bunch of names for, but none of these really exist. They're just truth. But but it's it's almost like saying, like, if you imagine this world where love is the answer, then there's no more of all these other things. There's just truth. And then to your point, I'm like, well, you're sort of just ignoring, like, it, like you're putting on rose-tinted glasses that are basically so opaque that you, you kind of missed it. Like yeah. You kind of actually blocked truth out by just going like, nah, it's the love is the true thing. Yeah. Cause as is, much, but. as much as I love the fact that we can like consciously control our reality, there's still emotions that we go through mm-hmm. and like everything. And like Greg says with contrast, how that like kind of gets him stoked sometimes. Yeah. All that's important for contrast and fear is part of truth. And okay, here's what gets me the most about this. Truth is kind of bullshit and self-entitled. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because we were talking last episode about how schizophrenic people can see like the lines of code behind reality Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways and they get so much information. That's truth too. Yeah. And there's lies in truth. There's all these things in truth. And truth is so relative that saying only truth exists, it just feels like whose truth exists? Like universal truth? And that is, that's the end thing, though, is there is just universal truth. But at that point, it's almost, like, not worth referencing. Like, this is something I was thinking about in Joshua Tree as we were walking back to our campsite, is I kept thinking of, like, these statements in my head, and I go, like, wow, that's, like, that's really true. And then I would just keep in that loop and keep thinking of new statements, and each one was really, really true. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I was like, oh, all of it's true. Yeah. Like, just don't even worry about it. And like, don't even try to convey it. Don't tell anybody that these things are really true because they've got 18 other things that they think are really true. And they're just as true as these things that I think are true. So it's like, like, we're just getting into the weeds where it's like, this is the truth. It's like, not all of it's the truth. Yeah, exactly. Don't worry about defining it so much. (laughs) That's the funny thing about this podcast is like, (laughs) sometimes I'm just like. Yeah, I man. Every every episode is like, hey, man. You know what's like our new theory on life? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which every theory is good and has its own fun things, but it's it's all about being like, this is a fun theory, and it's like, wow, there's a lot of truth in that. But then you just go find the next thing that also has a lot of truth in it. Which yeah. I think is just really fun. It's like you're learning so many things if you can try to see a lot of different angles on truth. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's see, but it's also like experiencing. Mm-hmm. That's why I think like that's the cool thing about like religion. I think where like. I'm not a super religious person. Mm-hmm. I've been like, I've been part of church before and that's really, it's, it was a really cool experience. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I think I'd have a really good time almost practicing any religion. Mm. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a lot of, in the ritual of it, in the ceremony of it and in the culture of it that's attached to religion that's super sick. And another thing I don't get about this, they say no more religion and at the bottom is imagine truth dot live. 
So that's a blog. And this guy's super religious and he talks about Jesus all the time. Yeah. So maybe he gets it to a degree where it's like, I don't know. It's weird. It, yeah, that's a that's a strange one to know that that's the angle on it is that it actually is a religious thing where it's almost like he's saying, like, drop your religion and let's <laughs> yeah. just think about truth here and, mm-hmm. and not have any more religions. Let's just have the religion. Jesus, the truth. Yeah, <laughs> which is a little bit kind of cap in the first place there. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead. True universal truth definitely lies beyond words and religion. So if he's yep. tapped into the truth, then that statement is true. But the fact he writes a blog is like he's probably operating day to day at a lower frequency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also it's um, true universal truth is indescribable because it's beyond our egos. Yeah. Right. And since we live with our egos, our egos just won't. I don't know if our egos won't let us describe it or since we're describing it with our egos. It's that biological block. There's something biologically blocking us from describing true universal truth. Because, yes, you can kind of be one with everything, but could you truly describe it? I don't know. Like, we're still part of our own bodies. You can feel one with everything, like Mm -hmm. Buddhism, and you can feel that, like, conscious web of reality. But in truth, like, you're not one with everything because you're trapped in your own body. Yeah, and it, and you're trapped without the ability to express that feeling into a into like a capturable thought, because we don't know how to think without using the language we were taught. Yeah, like we only know how to experience, and it, it we it's like pretty common that when you're trying to tell somebody something about an experience, you're like, oh man, like there's so much getting lost in the translation of my words, mm-hmm. but there's so much getting lost just putting it in putting it in words in your own brain. Like right. your brain just doesn't have the language or the functionality to be able to do that. Mm. So like the present experience is the only true form of, of knowing what that thing is. And there's no capturing it afterwards. Mm-hmm. There are, I mean, yeah. And we've talked about this. There's a lot of good ways to capture it though, too, that you, you're not compressing so much data when capturing it. Like people with like better vocabularies mm-hmm. and people that are really strong storytellers, mm-hmm. you're not losing so much data because they'll kind of put you in the moment and they'll use the words to describe the surroundings and maybe not the thing in specific, but what they feel like. And they can kind of try to recreate that for you. Well, they're recreating a new moment. That's the key distinction is they're not capturing it. They're giving you a prompt that you then rehydrate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they there's an experience of playing music and mm-hmm. that's like a real, everyone in that room feels that. And then you record it digitize it, make it in the analog experience in real life is when you hear it. And that's a whole new experience, Mm -hmm. but you haven't captured. You can't capture. Yeah. It's like trying to tell someone about a meme. Like it never really works out. Right. Like, and I might act like, ah, that's funny, but like, I won't experience it until you show me the meme. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and back to this card too, specifically what it's saying also, and also to the, the Donald Hoffman theory and everything. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to note, that like when you're thinking about, okay, my consciousness can affect things. And it's almost like this person saying like, yo, like if you just imagine that there's only truth and that love is the answer, then there will be no more suffering and no more this and no more like any of like any of that. But like, even though your consciousness has the ability to, to sort of influence your life around you, you're also all day long interacting with other little portals into consciousness and you don't get to control what they do. Yeah. So it's like you might have a lot of control and you might be able to exert some pull over other people and like and kind of get things to align with how you want it to align. But like your other people are the most disconnected you can possibly get from something you can control. Yeah. Because you're staring into another mirror of a controlling like body. Mm. 
So even like even if you think you're the only person and you are everybody and that it's like, you know, in time you'll you'll experience all of it. Like there's still you who's just as powerful as you on the other end who with with all the other people around you also trying to tug at the strings, which is, I think, why there's like there's you can't ever exert full control. It's like you can't get rid of suffering because there's going to be so many other portals into consciousness that don't understand how to get rid of their suffering. Yeah. Or they have a completely different way of going about getting rid of getting Mm -hmm. rid of their suffering where it's just at that point, just new religions, just tugging at the rope of consciousness. Hmm. Yeah, that that is. It's a bit heady, but it's super interesting to think about it that way. Yeah, because I think it would be it, where that theory really gets narcissistic is if you think nobody else has any conscious agency other than your experience in the moment. And like mm, everybody you're interacting with has plenty of conscious agency and, and you're just kind of you're, you're being egotistical at that point. If you think that other the other things don't have conscious agency, even if they're yeah. you, it's like, no, you you're just split up into all these different little sectors. Mm-hmm. So you think like. You're me? Yeah. But but also not like I'm are, are you Greg? Yeah. Is Greg you? Yeah. Am I you? Yeah. Am I Greg? Yeah. Is Greg me? Yeah. I'm gonna keep saying yeah. Dude, I'm everyone in this room. Whoa. Yeah. But it's like you can't control the part of you that is me, you can't control in me. Not until I slam into that wall. Mm. Sure. Not if we had the force, dude. Not if we had the force, because then he'd be, then he'd be grabbing me, he'd be pulling me, he'd make me think different. I don't then think I would be doing that. Grabbing and pulling. Wouldn't. I feel like Mateo might be. Mateo, Mateo would just be, be like slapping my head against the wall. Mateo all the time. would just be saying to say some stuff, you know, like we'd just be spewing out random, like, like kind of. <laughs> I feel like detrimental or like. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you guys canceled? No. I, I, Greg, I wouldn't be messing with you all the time if I had the force, because I'd want to make it like kind of shocking when I did. Is that kind of how the force works? Like, you know, I don't know what it's called. What's it called when a Jedi like makes somebody be like, oh, yeah, you're right. I do want to walk over here and not pay attention well, to you. Jedi mind trick. Jedi dude. mind trick. If you Jedi mind trick somebody over and over and over and over and over again, do they eventually go like, hmm, something feels funny. Like uh, this isn't going to work anymore. It depends on how strong willed they are, I bet. Because um, I feel like you keep on trampling over people to get trampled over mm-hmm. and they'll either rise to the occasion, stop it. Or they're gonna, uh, or they're gonna just let themselves become a little pancake in the road, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, so like, what do you think about <laughs> hypnotism? Because like, hypnotism is a form of like Jedi mind trick in real life. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so much. The funny thing is, that's kind of you convincing yourself. But isn't that all like a Jedi mind trick really is, dude? A hundred percent, it's just hypnotism because the Jedi's are like, you want to let me do this, and the person's like, I do. Mm-hmm. And if someone's really strong-willed, you can see them, like, clench up, and they're like, I want it. Mm. You gotta not want it. Yeah, and the, the funny thing about hip- <laughs> 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 Jesus. <laughs> the funny thing about hypnotism, because the most important part is that the subject is willing. Yep. And as, of course, you need to be, a, you need to have a good hypnotist, not just, like, Greg, like, wangling his dong around me, dude, around, like, in front of my face. Dude, it would get you going. <laughs> You'd be dude, seeing things. Dude, or a hypnotist trying to exert just all their power over you, being like, I'm your master. Like, when we watched that one yeah. hypnotist, and you're like, this dude's a clown. Like, this dude's definitely not going to hypnotize me. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so basically, it's all, it's all about being willing and letting and telling yourself, because hypnotists... The hypnotist isn't telling you to do it. The mm-hmm. hypnotist is telling you to tell yourself to do it, basically. Right. And with force, you're influencing the midi-chlorines in somebody, which are also, you're using your midi-chlorines to influence someone else's midi-chlorines to make them, which is also you, do something. Through focused energy, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. 
it's Star Wars is a dumb good metaphor for real life. <laughs> yeah. It's just like less cool in real life and there's no lightsabers. And, and isn't that sort of what it is? Is like Jedi's are just exerting their full force of consciousness over the reality around them. They're just businessmen. They're extremely trained in what they want done. And they're like, they put in the hours so they can be like, you want to do this. And the person's like, okay. Mm. And then are, do Sith also do that just for a worse cause? Or do they do it they're in the more of like a. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're the businessmen that do yeah. it in a more destructive nature, I guess. Yeah, it's like, it, it, I feel like it's the equivalent of somebody who's like really like into yoga and really with the business and be like, no, I just love my yoga studio and like sharing this like message and this like vibe with other people and, and opening up their perspective through yoga. And then a business being like, people really like that. I can recreate that and yeah. sell it to a bunch of people for way more than I should. Yeah. Which I feel like is what the Sith is doing. They're like, oh, well, if you can do it, we'll figure out how to do it and we're going to make things go our way. Yeah. And it's stronger, but clearly dirtier. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the vibe. It's D distilled in like kind of a nasty yeah. way. Dude, that's why, I mean, if we're talking about the best Jedi, dude, Qui-Gon Jinn, dude. Because he, because the problem with the Jedi, with the Jedi uh, order was that they got too involved in politics and they became like, they literally became little pets for Emperor Palpatine, right? Mm. But Qui-Gon Jinn the whole time was like, hey man, like we got to stop doing this. We have to, he was all about the will of the force. Mm. So like we always viewed like the the Sith as bad and the, and the Jedi as good. And he was like, no dude, that just doesn't exist. The force is going to do what it wants to do. The universe is going to do what it wants to do. And we just have to kind of carry out its will. And not like in a, like a, not even we have to carry out its will. Like it's going to carry out its will. And like, that's true chaos in a way. Mm -hmm. Like you can't bend the universe to do what you want to do. You can change your perception on what happens. But I think in the end, at the end of the day, the universe is just going to pull out random stuff. And that's why terrible diseases happen. That's why amazing things happen. Mm -hmm. And it's just all about your, your true superpower is your fucking little consciousness and your perception of what happens. Mm -hmm. You can steer the boat, but you can't affect the river kind of thing. Yeah, that's a good metaphor for it. Dude, smooth brain. Smooth brain. Smooth brain, man.